and welcome to Hear Women Tell, where we interview professional storytellers to get the story behind the story. And today, we have Kathy Long with us. Hi, Kathy. How are you? Hi, Chris. Fine. Oh, good. Um, I was looking through the, the information that you sent me, and you talk about your family in, in Pennsylvania. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, I have three boys, and uh, right now they're all home. I'm going to have one going back to college in uh, the end of August. But I have a set of twins who are 23, and I have an older boy who is 33. Oh, I'm a twin. Good for you. Yeah, my sister My sister still lives up in Marlborough, Massachusetts. And uh, boy, now there's some stories. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I have twin stories, too. I can take you back to the day I delivered them. <laughs> uh, uh, now, you're, you're, you said, uh, I saw in your stuff, your mother was Pennsylvania Dutch? Yeah, I, this is Pennsylvania Dutch area. We're not in the Lancaster area. We're on the fringes. So um, we're just below the coal regions. We're like the farming communities surrounding the coal regions. And you have a lot of people with that Pennsylvania Dutch accent. Hmm. So I was raised around that. They, when the, usually the older people spoke the dialect. They didn't want you to know what was being said. But you picked up enough by their mannerisms and some of the words that you knew what they were talking about anyway. (laughs) One day I, yeah, one day I walked into my mother and she's talking to some neighbors about another neighbor woman. And she got it all wrong. So I, I just stepped up to the plate and I said, no, no, you have that all wrong. And I went and I told the story as it unfolded as I saw it. And my mother was shocked. And after that, she never spoke another word of Dutch in front of me. <laughs> oh. Now, you say dialect. How is how is that dialect different? The dialect is like a combination of like German and, and other different languages, like Yiddish and stuff like that. And, and I can't speak the dialect. There's very few things I can say, like, you know, kannst du mikafonga? You know, I can say that, you know. <laughs> what does that mean? And, uh, that means, can you catch flies? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's two different answers to it. The one is Yavisti Shub Karach, which means yes with the wheelbarrow, or if they hook a bliba, and that means if they sit still. <laughs> oh, now I'm guessing that, that people who uh, speak Pennsylvania Dutch also have a little bit of an accent. Yes. Uh, what happens is you transpose your V's and W's. So instead of saying white vinegar, you'd say white vinegar. Ah, yeah. So, and you know, it's very harsh language. I grew up with a lot of neighbor women that I thought were yelling at me, but then I <laughs> later found out they weren't. You know, they instead of saying, well, hello, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a long time. It was, well, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a dog's age. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, when when my twin sister and I were little, before we were really speaking, my mother used to say we spoke Dutchy. And, okay. uh, and our family, uh, my mother's maiden name was Wagner, and of course my name is Hillenburg, so we, we're German way, way back to the original Hessian that, that came over mm-hmm. to fight with the British, but she said we always talked Dutchy, and uh, you just made me think of something. My father, when he was a boy, had a language between his brother and his sisters, and it was called alfalfa language. I have never, I have not heard anyone else who has ever referred to this, but he used to, like my name is Christy, so Uh it was, so he would call me Alfal Krill Fisty. Oh. Now, I suppose I could take that little piece and figure out how he does it, but uh, I I never have been able to. 
That sounds a little hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> now I understand. I was, just raised, I was just raised with this Dutchified accent all around me, so a lot of my stories I actually transpose and do with a Pennsylvania Dutch accent. Oh, I bet that's wonderful. Yeah, I uh, my friend and I, I had a storytelling partner uh, up until the other year, and um, we used to do the Barking Mouse, which obviously is a storyteller's story. Mm. And it's a Cuban folk tale, so every storyteller usually does it in uh, Spanish, some Spanish words put in, or a Spanish accent, and I couldn't, so I just transposed it over into a Pennsylvania Dutch accent. Mm. And I tell them it's a Cuban folk tale done in a Pennsylvania Dutch accent, <laughs> and we did it down in Virginia, and everyone just loved it. Oh, that's great. Uh, mm -hmm. um, so how did you get into storytelling, anyway? Well... I have a set of twins, obviously, like I said, and when they were in nursery school, they said, well, we'd ask the parents if they can come in and help out with anything. So I said, well, I can come and tell stories. And I started telling stories, and the other nursery school across the hall from that one came over because I was doing a very noisy story, and they said, is everything all right? They said, yes, yeah, she's doing a story. You ought to have her come over there. <laughs> Next thing I know, I was across the hall at that story, at that nursery school telling a story when they got into kindergarten and we went down to the library on a field trip and walked down through the park I have been asked by the librarian she said I heard you tell stories I'm having a class come in of kindergartners and introducing them to the library could you tell a story I said well sure I'll be a chaperone my twins are in that class and went down and I did that noisy story once again and they all loved it and I had a, tea, a sweatshirt on from FAO Schwartz and one of the children asked afterwards, and they said, what are those alphabets on your shirt? And I said, F-A-O Schwartz. And they said, yeah. I said, F-A-O Schwartz is Florence Abigail Olivia Schwartz. She was my great aunt. Let me tell you her story. <laughs> what a perfect lead-in. Yes. I came out with this wild story all about this girl in the coal regions who made toys and different things for children, and she wanted them to be passed out other than, you know, always at Christmas time, but Christmas time was her favorite time. And I talked about the good guys and the bad guys of Christmas that all came over with the immigrants, and it was an absolutely amazing story. Now, did you just make it up off the cuff? Made it up right out of my head, which I found out later on in different, you know, workshops with, with nationally known storytellers. They say, don't ever come out with a story right off the top of your head. And I went, oops. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, one of my best stories, and they love it. And then people ask for it around Christmas time because they want their kids to know that there was not only the good guy of Christmas, but that there were these bad guys of Christmas to scare the children into behaving hmm. for the good guy of Christmas. You know, uh, I toured the uh, Mark Twain uh, house in Hartford, Connecticut, and they had yeah. these, uh, on the mantelpiece, he had these little statues of animals and things like that. And he would actually, every night, he would ad-lib ad stories to his children using those figurines. Sometimes they're the best stories. Oh, I think so, too. I think so, too. What, what other kind of, do you say, you, you, I know you do folk tales, mm -hmm. and I know you do personal vacation stories. I saw that. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your stories. Oh, my goodness. Uh, my father never planned a vacation. 
And he never wanted to go down south because he said it's hot here. You can imagine it's even hotter down south. We did go down south one time to Washington, D.C. We usually headed north, however, uh, north to New England, north to Canada, north to New York. We did one time, however, plan a vacation, and it was to see a total eclipse of the sun. Mm. Up at the path of totality went across the state of Maine. And I came home with tons of stories from that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bet. You know, I've never it seen was, one. It was, yeah, it was before the interstate system. So oh. you're on back roads, and my father's trying to get to the point where it's going to be behind the moon the longest. And he worked for a newspaper. We had boxes with unprocessed photographic film. And we couldn't get to the place he wanted to, and we pulled over in a garbage dump, and we watched the total eclipse of the sun in the middle of Maine, in the middle of nowhere, in a garbage dump. <laughs> uh, oh, that's great. Uh, you, you know, um, one of the things that you said is you have the, that you have the gift of stories, and uh, and I was thinking about that uh, and how incredible it is to grow up in a family with stories to be able to tell stories um, because I think that memories are kept better as stories oh yes definitely I I was not raised in a family of storytellers that's the one odd thing about me I, I've been to the National Storytelling Festival I've been to other festivals and most people get up and say I come from a long line of storytellers I don't <laughs> it wasn't until I started telling stories that my family opened up and started telling me some of the stories that happened oh that's great that's... I, I found that very unusual oh yeah um, now I also know um, that uh, you belong to some organizations you belong to uh, the National Storytellers um, Organization, right? Yes, the National Storytelling Network and the Lehigh Valley Storytelling Guild. What's that guild like? The guild is wonderful. Uh, they, they do a lot of work out of Godfrey Daniels in Bethlehem, which is one of the leading listening clubs in the nation. A lot of folk singers got their start there. Uh, I think they now have it as like almost a historic site. And uh, they have a storytelling festival every year. They usually have two nationally named tellers. Hmm. Uh, last year, I had the, the honor and privilege of opening for Mr. Dan Ketting. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we'll we're going to take a little break right now, Kathy. And uh, so this is Chris Hillenberg with Hear Women Tell, where we interview professional storytellers. And we'll be right back with Kathy Long. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Join the party and live it up in Shag City, live Fridays, 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Eastern. A call-in talk and music radio show dedicated to the shagging lifestyle, hosted by me, Paul Trulove. Broadcasting live from the heart of the shag capital of the world, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Shag City is a one-of-a-kind radio show featuring the best in the grand strength shag, dance, and music scene. Here you'll find the latest cool shag news, tunes, and announcements along with guest appearances from the greatest shaggers of our time. You can listen to Shag City live Fridays 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Eastern here on the Zeus Radio Network for hearwomentalk.com. 
Shag City, it's crazy, baby. Attention boppers, shaggers, and swingers, join us at the J.B. Floyd Community Center in North Myrtle Beach, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for the fast-paced excitement of the Swing Syndicate. Study the swing styles of Jitterbug, Double Time, Lindy, West Coast, East Coast, and Show. Sure to be a big hit on the Grand Strand. That's the Swing Syndicate, Wednesdays, 7 o'clock, at the J.B. Floyd Community Center in North Myrtle Beach, 1030 Possum Trot Road, Wednesdays, 7 o'clock. This is Dottie Laster, the host of Trafficked, an hour-long discussion about human trafficking in the United States. Join me as we meet guests from around the world and locally who are combating the fastest growing crime in the world. Join us every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk Radio. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell, where we hear the story behind the story as we interview professional storytellers. And today, we have Kathy Long with us. So, Kathy, I have a question for you. Um, you have some CDs out there, right? Yes, I do. Can you tell us what CDs you have available? Uh, the one is called The Legend of Glenanogo and Other Stories. And the other one is called Mangoes and Pickles and Spiders. Oh, my. Tales for the Holiday Season. Mm. That would not be Halloween. That would be the Christmas season. <laughs> now, the first one, The Legends of Glen... Uh, what is it? O- Onoko? Glen Onoko, yes. Okay. And other stories. What? What? Can you just tell us a little bit about what that's about? Sure. Uh, Glen Onoko is actually a place here in northeast Pennsylvania. It's situated inside of the Delaware-Lehigh National Heritage Corridor uh, in the um, Lehigh Gorge State Park, right near Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, which used to be Mock Chunk, Pennsylvania. So there's a lot of history around here. Mm. I grew up with this legend. It's about an Indian princess by the name of Onogo who throws herself off the falls for the love of a man. I'm really sorry. But I know that Indian women were strong. They were the ones that were landowners. Right. If they didn't like their husband, they told him to leave. So there's no way she would have thrown herself off the falls. <laughs> I redid the legend in my own way, and I have a lot of people that say they absolutely love it. I mean, she does go over the falls. Yes, she does die, but it's an accident. She doesn't throw herself off the falls. Mm. And and so mango, I sprinkle, uh-huh. oh, and mango, mangoes and pickles and spiders, the tales of holiday season. Now, I have to tell you, when I was growing up in our very German area of southern Indiana, mm-hmm. a mango was, when they said they wanted a mango, it was a green pepper. Oh, okay. No, this is the fruit. Yeah, and I moved to uh, New England, and I said, uh, I, had, I was helping someone cook supper, and I said, hey, hand me the mango, and they're like, we don't have any mangoes in the house. I'm like, no, the mango. And they made fun of me, I'm telling you. And so every time I see mango, I wonder if, if, if the, I didn't know if in your part of the country it was the same way. Tell, me, tell me a little bit about that story. Well, there is a, a state historic site near me, uh, near Hazleton, which is called Eckley Miners Village. And they started a program, oh, my goodness, uh, over 20 years ago, a Christmas program. So every year I go up, I create a new story. 
So a lot of them I try to gear and put in the coal region itself or have some aspects of the coal region in there. This mango story actually is based on a story called the Christmas apple, but instead of having an apple, I put a mango in it instead. I also took my friend Bill's life, who grew up in Ashland and later lived in Tamaqua, which was in the, the coal regions. I took aspects from his life and his childhood friends and his family names and put them in that story. Mm. And it came out very nice. And um, so, uh, yeah, a lot of the, my stories were made for Eckley Miners Village. And some of them are my own making and then others are adaptations. But like I said, I always try to keep the coal regions in there since this is a coal region site. Right, right. And then I guess you have a couple of, uh, you've self-published uh, a book called Taylor Twinkle Finds a Home and Living in Harmony. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit about those. Taylor Twinkle Finds a Home was my first book. Uh, it's basically a story about if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Uh, it's a little twinkle who comes from a very famous family of twinkles, but she wants to leave her own imprint and do something special, which everybody has told her all the good jobs are taken. <laughs> So she goes among her family doing odd jobs and finally moves to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, finds out about the history of the place, falls in love with it, and what she does is she backs up to take in the full beauty of the area, but she bumps into South Mountain where she finds a large lighted electric star, but it is missing something, a twinkle, and that's where she lives in twinkles to this very day. <laughs> and living in harmony, what's that about? Living in Harmony is about uh, the earth and the sky and they get into an argument and it's up to sun and moon to stop it. And a lot of times uh, teachers will use it for environmental themes or for bullying programs or things like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, I noticed too that you, you, uh, you do programs specifically about bullying. You do those in schools and can tell us yeah, a little I bit do. about that. Well, my oldest son was uh, a target for bullies. And I actually thought I was going to lose him when he was in junior high school because they picked on him really bad. So I have some stories, obviously folk tales that have a very good moral lesson or ending to them. I usually always have a lesson in my stories. And then after I do the folk tales, then I start with the actual stories. I have some stories from my life which make people laugh, you know, like the booger story and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, different things of, of, of bullying. But then once I have them laughing, I know they'll remember something. And that's when I hit them with the stories about my son. And me there are many times that I will look out into the audience and I will not only see teachers, but I will see children sitting there with tears in their eyes. Mm. And they usually come up to me afterwards and say, how's your son doing? Is he doing better? How's everything going with him? And they ask about him. They inquire about him. I think it's a very important, uh, a very important topic, especially in schools. Uh, seems like, and maybe it's just being reported more. I don't know, but it just seems like there is more of that sort of thing going on in schools these days. Yeah, I have a feeling bu bullying always had a stigma. Like, you know, if you were being bullied, you better not say anything because everybody will make fun of you. And I think now it's coming to the point where, okay, I don't care. I don't need to be treated like this. And people are reporting it more, which which is good. I keep telling the children. Sometimes they'll come up to me afterwards and say, I'm being bullied. I've also had bullies come up and say, I never knew that what I was doing would be considered bullying. Mm. And they said, I'm going to stop right now. And you know what? If I just make one person 
time, turn around. I feel my job has been done. Mm-hmm. There are other places. I, I've been into schools where they feel uh, if it's only one person, what was the sense? I'm sorry if you have to do it one person at a time. I think that's the best way to go. Right, because then it's personal. Yes. You know? Yes. I mean, if you if you do one person, eventually they're going to talk to somebody else, and, and another person is going to say, "Wow, if you could do that, I, I think I've been bullying somebody, so maybe I should stop." Eventually, it will snowball. But if you just at least start with that initial person, I think that's great. I also, um, I, I see you do uh, life journaling presentations. Yes. Tell me about that. I love doing that. I love teaching people to tell their own stories. And the funny thing is they think it has to be something poignant. They think it has to be something. They think they're going to rip their heart out by telling something sad or something like that or that it always has to be happy. Uh, Or they don't understand what can be a story. We had a local department store around here that was like the king of department stores. It was called Hess Brothers in Allentown. Well, when I go out, I will usually go and tell a story like um, I will do the Magic Garden of the Poor, which the theme in that one is one man's dream can make a difference. Then I launch into the story of Max Hess and how he built this huge empire, which had some fantastic things that went along. And then I see women nodding their heads, and I actually have some things from Hess's, some of them, my mother's clothes from the French room and different things like that. And they start nodding their heads, and they don't realize that Hess's, just a story about Hess's is something that the children of today need to know, because if they go to Allentown, Hess's is no longer there. Right. They just see the PPL center on the corner. They they don't understand that the um, mini-mart on the corner wasn't always there. Maybe there used to be a big Victorian house or something like that, that a wonderful family lived in. The people of today need to know that they need to hand their stories down to the younger generation. Otherwise, everything we've worked for to preserve in the past will be lost. Hmm. That's just not something that's acceptable in my eyes. So, yeah, I teach them to tell their own stories. And when they find out they can tell stories about Hesses, they're set. (laughs) (laughs) I took a a memoir class uh, several years ago. And most of the people, well, I guess not surprisingly, most of the people in the class were women. And most of them were older women who were wanting to write down their stories for their grandchildren, which I thought was wonderful. And, um, you know, sometimes, I mean, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll have a, you know, at the, after the weekend I'll go back to work and I'll say, hey, have I got a story for you? But it's not, it's not really a true story. It's just a, a, something that happened. And mm-hmm. to take it and give it a, a beginning, a middle, and an end and create a story out of it, that can be a challenge. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, I noticed that uh, in memoir writing, uh, a lot of these women were tr- trying very hard to actually create a story. And they already had in their mind, because, you know, I think in retrospect, when you look back over your life, you can kind of see things more as stories. Mm-hmm. But, um, how? I mean, you know, that's been one of my things, is how do you take a story or just a, a, an event that happened and turn it into a story? And I remember Linda Goodman said to me once, don't let the truth get in the way of the facts. Or don't, right. something else like that. I think it's like that. Yeah. 
No, 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 don't let the facts get in the way of the truth. And uh, The whole thing that gets me is people think they have to write it down and it has to be a literary novel and a piece of work. And I give out what I call my prompt sheets, which have prompts on them that say, take us to the first funeral you ever attended. And when you go back in there and you take those pictures from your mind and start to talk about them, you just have to remember a few things. The, the day and age that we're in today with all the technology, if you're talking about some time back further, you might need to bring up to date to those young people that you're telling the story to that you didn't have cell phones. You didn't have, you know, a hundred or more channels on the TV. You didn't even have a remote. Mm. You didn't even have a color TV. It was black and white. So you have to bring them into the age with you and let them experience that a little bit. And then when you start telling your story, they'll start seeing why it was such some, you know, something that happened to you that was really amazing for that time period because you didn't have all those other things that they have today. Right. Well, we're going to take another little break right now, and we'll come back. Uh, this is Chris Hillenberg with Hear Women Tell. Today we're talking with Kathy Long, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Hi, this is Gina Tremarco with the Martini Meeting. Listen to the Martini Meeting with Eileen Soizan and myself every Thursday at 2.30 p.m. on Zeus Radio for hearwomentalk.com. Hi, folks. This is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all of your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone? If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at AbramsForensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at AbramsForensics.com. That's AbramsForensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code HWT. If you don't have the strength to go one more step and you're facing challenges that seem overwhelming, don't be dismayed. Join me, Donna Tyson, for Rivers of Faith, Tuesday mornings, 10 to 11, on Zeus Radio Network at hearwomentalk.com. Are you hungry and looking for something delicious and healthy, convenient, quick, and value-packed? Check out our favorite, Jimmy Zabachi. Everything is sizzling and cooked precisely to order, and they use only the freshest ingredients, including sterling silver premium meats. Try their $5 daily lunch chicken plate with fried rice and veggies or check out their korean beef lunch plate with sesame and soy and just a slight touch of sweetness mm. for dinner try their mouth-watering salmon mahi mahi scallops or tender juicy filet mignon you can dine in or take out and they even have a drive-up window jimmy's hibachi delivers too open seven days a week from 11 a.m to 10:30 p.m conveniently located in myrtle beach in the corner of king's highway and 62nd avenue north Call ahead with your order at 839-8008 and download their discount coupon on the hearwomentalk.com website. Scrumptious, fast, healthy, satisfying, and reasonably priced. You'll love Jimmy's Hibachi, 839-8008. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio and the Zeus Radio Network.
Welcome back to Hear Women Tell. This is Chris Hillenberg, uh, where we learn the story behind the story today with Kathy Long. Um, Kathy, um, you also do inspirational and mo- you're also an inspirational motivational speaker. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I've been through an awful lot in my life. I mean, especially the last year. I've lost five people in nine months. Mm. So a lot of people will say to me, how do you keep on going? And I say, well, you just have to. Uh, my husband actually passed away five days before Christmas, and everybody thought, well, what's she going to do? And, and Christmas Eve, I was in church, and people said, how could you do it? And I said, well, they can do without a voice on the choir, but they can't do without my two hands to play bells. Mm. And I came in to play on the bell choir, and I got more hugs and more love. And I thought, well, you just can't stay away from that. The church is almost like my second family. So my mother died the day before Easter, and we were going to be playing bells on Easter. I showed up on Easter Sunday also. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, when I can go out and share my story, uh, talk about uh, my twins, talk about my son, especially with the bully program, if I can inspire people to tell their own stories, if I can motivate people to get out there and do what needs to be done, I am really happy about that. Hmm. Now, I, I know that you, ha- you had a, a storytelling partner, um, and uh, he also passed away. Was it this last year? Yes, last year on July 16th. Hmm. That must have been, uh, that must have been so difficult. Oh, my heavens, I was there holding his hand when he went. Mm. He was a wonderful, wonderful person. He was like family to us. We actually took him on family vacations. He was like a grandfather to my children. Uh, my husband respected him and, and his ways, and uh, we had a wonderful time with him. We traveled all over. I took him up to Massachusetts to tell stories. I took him down to Virginia to tell stories. He was my prop. He started out just sitting there as I told the story around him, and later on I had him actually doing speaking parts. We actually verbalized between and had some uh, ad-lib lines that we would work out, and sometimes they came out so funny, we we even had a laugh. (laughs) (laughs) How did you meet him? I actually met him in sign language class because I wanted to put some sign language into my stories. Mm. And uh, I saw that he was left there from the... uh, we, I was in the beginning sign language group, and he was there from the intermediate group. The teacher had asked him to stay, and I thought, if he knows sign language, I'm sitting beside him because then I can ask him for some help. Mm, right. <laughs> and so afterwards, he said, you seem to be a very interesting person. He said, I'd like to be your friend. I said, I collect friends. Hop on board, and, and that was it. And so how did you coax him into doing storytelling? I asked him if he wanted to go along, and obviously he was retired, and and he was the kind of person, if he didn't have something to do, he paced the house. And so I brought him along to do some stories, and he would just sit there, and I would put antlers on him. I have this marvelous bat hat that I would put on him and and things like that. And I'd give him the premise of the story, and I'd say, listen to what I'm saying, and just kind of mime or act out. And then later on, the one time when I did the why bat flies alone at night, I said, okay, just banter with me. When I say something, you can answer back just like you would any other time. And and he would, and it came out very well. Hmm. And in a while, his wife was calling up and saying, don't you have any more storytelling jobs to do? He's driving me nuts. (laughs) 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 It was like the proverbial, take my husband, please. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's funny. So, yeah, we had it. We had a great time. We mm-hmm. and and yes, I was there holding his hand when he went, and uh, and he said that uh, that he would send me pennies from heaven, 
and I've been finding money ever since. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, and, and my girlfriend who walks her dog around the neighborhood, because I haven't been finding that many lately, and she'll come up with a handful of change and say, I found these while I was walking texts. Here's some bill money for you. Wow. Because his name was Bill. So she oh. said, here's some bill money for you. <laughs> oh, that's great. Now, you also you also do, and I wanted to ask you about this, you do sacred stories. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Uh, I did take courses to become a, law, a lay minister, although I have not been utilized in that capacity yet. There have been some times that I do fill in for some ministers uh, so I can make up some you know, sermon-type stories. But I go out to rally days and I do a lot of like saint stories. My favorite saint story is St. Genesius. I, I just love St. Genesius. Hmm. And I, we do have, a, at my work, there's also a St. Fabiola. So I, look, I like both those stories. But I love the St. Genesius story. Well, now, St. Genesius, t- tell me a little bit about that saint. St. Genesius was uh, like the, he had a troop of comedians under Emperor Diocletian. And he was making fun of the Christians. And so one day he was doing the rite of baptism and making fun of it. And as one of his comedians held him under the water, he saw the light and he was actually uh, converted to Christianity right there. So when Diocletian asked him to do it again, he said, no, I can't. I can only do what is true to my heart. Hmm. And Diocletian insisted and Genesius said no. And so he said, take him away and kill him, but break his legs first. And so Genesius became the patron saint of actors and comedians, and when somebody goes on stage and says, break a leg, oh, St. Denisius. Ah, I didn't now know you that. you know why I love the story. So yes, much. yes, yes. Yes. Oh, that's great. It's you- a marvelous story. I love it. I absolutely love it. In fact, I, I hosted the Sacred Stories part of our festival this past year, and uh, I opened with a nice little story. Then I invited people to come up on stage. And the funny thing is, in between, I would do a little banter. Toward the end, it had got so inspiring. We had three people. I never even got a foot on the stage. They would say, oh, oh, I want to tell a story. I want to tell it. Three people who were not storytellers had never told a story in their life. The one woman, she had just come to a storytelling event because she saw it, wanted to know what it was all about. Three people got up and told stories. Wow. And so I ended the whole session with the story of St. Genesius. Oh, that's great. Now, you're a, you're a tour guide there, right? Yes, I'm a tour guide in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. Hmm. I'm a tour guide at the Asa Packer Mansion. Asa Packer was a self-made millionaire. Uh, ended up when he passed away that he was worth $54.5 million. He actually started and founded Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Hmm. The wow. house that I give tours of is his home. It You get to see three floors, 18 rooms, and everything in the house is original. Oh, that sounds fascinating. And what's the date? What that would be the dates that he, he was started, in the house? They broke ground in 1859 and moved in in 1861, and he lived there until his death in 1879. The daughter continued to live there until her death in 1912 when she passed it on and gave, put it in her will to give to the town, of, which was at that point in time was Mock Chunk, not Jim Thorpe. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the town closed it up for 44 years, and in 1956, the Lions Club decided to open it for tours. And so we've been open for tours for 54 years. Wow. 
Well, that's great. I, you know, I've never been there, and uh, I think I, I'd really like to go. I love anything historical. So, Thorpe um, is a beautiful town. The entire town is is like going back in time. Now, you have a story you're going to share with us. Yes, it is called the Redbud Tree. Okay. And all my stories usually have a little bit of a lesson, so I hope it's a lesson that everybody can can use in their lifetime. Okay, go ahead and tell it. There was a king who had several sons. He was always there and had them out and about in nature. They learned about flowers and trees, fruits and vegetables. They were all good stewards of the earth. They always treated nature with the respect that it deserved. Their father was always talking to them about the beautiful red bud tree, and none of the young men had ever seen it. So each one of them, unbeknownst to the other, set out to find the lovely tree. The first young prince found the tree very early in the spring when it had no leaves or no buds. It was black and bare, and it looked like a dead tree. How strange that they call it a red bud tree. It has no buds at all. But why question it? Later in the spring, when things warmed up a little, the next son ventured out to find the tree. He found it covered in beautiful red buds and understood just why they called it the red bud tree, for it was a magnificent tree. The tree was full of heart-shaped green leaves by the time the third son found it, and he could see no reason for calling it a red bud tree if it was covered in green leaves. Sometime after this, the last young prince came to see the tree, and by this time it was covered in bean pods, which just pulled down the branches of the tree with their weight. He was totally confused and went right back to tell his brothers what he had seen. I have seen the redbud tree, he told all his brothers, and the first boy spoke up and said, so have I. But it did not look like much of a tree to me. It was black and bare, and it looked like a dead tree to me. What makes you say that, said the second son. The tree has hundreds of beautiful red buds on it. I can see quite well why they call this the red bud tree. That is when the third prince chimed in. Red buds? Why would you say it has red buds when it's covered in green heart-shaped leaves? The last boy who had just seen the tree laughed at his brothers. I have just seen the tree. It is not like a dead tree. And it has neither red buds or green heart-shaped leaves. It is covered in bean pods. The king was in the next room when he heard his sons comparing the tree and decided to talk to them before they argued the point until they were cross with each other. Before a fight started, the king came into the room and said, My sons, you have all four seen the same tree, but each of you saw it in a different time of year, a different season. And that is much the case with everyone's life. There is childhood, youth, middle age, and old age. Enjoy each in turn and learn much as you pass through the seasons of your lifetime. The boys followed their father's sage advice, and that, my friends, was the best lesson the king ever taught to his sons. Oh, that's great. Oh, that was that was a wonderful story. Thank you. Um, Kathy, can you tell people how they can get in touch with you, your website, and any other information you have like that? Sure. Uh, 
Kathy, that's K-A-T-H-Y, Long, L-O-N-G, Storyteller.com. And uh, your email? K-A-L-S-T-O-R-Y at P-T-D dot net. That's P as in Paul. What was it? T as in T-P. Mm-hmm. <laughs> T as in dog. Okay. Uh, dot net. Okay, great. And if they wanted to give you a call? Oh, area code 610-377-0428. Uh, Kathy, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. I've really enjoyed the time we spent together. Well, thank you, Chris, for having me. It was a pleasure for me as well. Oh, you're welcome. And so uh, this is uh, Chris Hillenberg with Hear Women Tell. And uh, we'll be right back with Linda Goodman on News and Reviews. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Technologist Incorporated is an American engineering and management consulting company specializing in post-conflict and post-disaster reconstruction of roads, schools, hospitals, industrial development, and core infrastructure building like power supply, clean water, and communication. Our team of over 1,000 specialists are mobilized on more than 50 projects in remote environments globally and fully supported by technologist offices in Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, Washington, D.C., and soon Haiti. Technologist Incorporated's record of excellence, providing assistance in some of the world's most difficult environments, is made possible by the brave men and women in our employ, many of whom served in our armed forces. We are proud to be an American company supporting our heroes in the service and encourage you to join us in our mission to be a positive post-conflict force. Technologist Incorporated, building strong foundations. Are you hungry and looking for something delicious and healthy, convenient, quick, and value-packed? Check out our favorite, Jimmy Zabachi. Everything is sizzling and cooked precisely to order and they use only the freshest ingredients including sterling silver premium meats. Try their $5 daily lunch chicken plate with fried rice and veggies or check out their Korean beef lunch plate with sesame and soy and just a slight touch of sweetness. Mmm. For dinner, try their mouth-watering salmon, mahi-mahi, scallops or tender, juicy filet mignon. You can dine in or take out and they even have a drive-up window. Jimmy's Hibachi delivers too. Open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. Conveniently located in Myrtle Beach on the corner of Kings Highway and 62nd Avenue North. Call ahead with your order at 839-8008 and download their discount coupon on the hearwomentalk.com website. Scrumptious, fast, healthy, satisfying, and reasonably priced. You'll love Jimmy's Hibachi, 839-8008. Hi, this is Deb Coletti, and I am your host of Life on Purpose, a radio show where I'll be having conversations with a wide range of fascinating women who are, in my opinion, leading a truly rich life. We will laugh, we will cry, we will sometimes get very serious. It will get edgy. It will definitely be irreverent and uh, no no subject off limits. Tune in to hear where we go and even join in the conversation. Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti. Tuesdays at 11 a.m. on the Hear Women Talk Network. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for hearwomentalk.com. This is Chris Hillenberg with Hair Women Tell, and we're back to get the story behind the story. And we have Linda with us to go over reviews today. How are you doing, Linda? 
I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, really good, really good. Uh, we're enjoying this hot weather. Oh, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> you know, we had a really cold winter here, and now we're having a really hot summer. So yeah, you know, it's, it's really been. Warm. We had one digit winter, and we're having a three digit summer. So well, you know, <laughs> no we haven't really we haven't really hit the three digits yet, but. Uh, the, uh, all up in New England where I, we were living, it's been very warm there, too. Oh, yeah, I'm hearing that. Yep. I'm hearing that. Who, who are you going to do a review of today? I am going to review Kathy Long's CD, The Legend of Glen Oco. Oh, okay. Great. And it's a wonderful CD. Kathy has a voice that is clear and sweet and musical, and it lends itself nicely to the lovely folk tales on this CD of familiar stories. Uh, you listen to it with your eyes closed and be prepared for a colorful imaginary journey of love, magic, and wisdom personified. The CD begins with how story began, a Seneca tale of the first storyteller who was lured into trading rabbits for grandfather's stones and trancing tales. If you need a good definition of story, there are several provided in this tale. That's followed by the magic pomegranate, a Jewish story that tells of three selfless brothers who go on a quest to find something special to share with one another, only to use their newly discovered treasures to come to the aid of a dying princess who happens to be, as is common in fairy tales, very wise. The Peddler of Swatham is a version of a tale found in multiple cultures, and it profiles a middleman who's prompted to follow his dream after losing his livelihood. Where will the dream lead him? That's the question we want answered. From the Onondaga tribe, the Dancing Brothers is a pourquoi tale that explains why pine trees grow tall and how a well-known constellation was created. The jewel on this CD, though, is The Magic Garden of the Poor, a Kazakh tale of two selfless brothers and a wise, compassionate student who seek to use a treasure to benefit others. In today's downward-spiraling economy, many would welcome such simple wisdom. Mm. The Damselfly is an original fairy tale about the importance of insects to the cycle of life. Bug lovers will delight in this tale. The legend of Glen Oco, from which the album's name is, is brought, is Long's version of a local legend featuring star-crossed lovers who defy family to be together. Historical facts and real places are sprinkled throughout this tale. In today's Herod world, it's easy to take for granted the wisdom and the education of fairy tales or the wisdom and education that they offer. This CD is a return to simpler times where people follow their hearts and find that hope lies at the end of their journeys. Go on an imaginary journey with this CD, and you will discover the treasure at the end of the rainbow. And if you would like a copy of this CD, you can get it from Kathy Long by calling 610-377-0428. That number again is 610-377-0428. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You, you know, we just uh, I just interviewed Kathy Long, as you know. What mm -hmm. a wonderful person. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Um, I've never actually met her personally. I've corresponded with her via email, and um, 
she is a super person. As a matter of fact, she we she told me that uh, she was doing some store doing some storytelling someplace and just started ad libbing a story. And she said she found out later that that uh, most storytellers tell you not to do that. <laughs> But she said it turned out so well that it turned into one of the stories that she tells. Well, and you know, there are a couple of storytellers that I know who actually will have somebody in the audience give them a situation, and they'll just make a story off of the cuff. If you remember Teresa Ferreira. Oh, yes. Yeah, yep. she's, she does that a lot. She'll <laughs> ask the audience for five words. And then she'll weave a story out of those five words. And, well, you know Teresa. She has that beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. And she's such a wonderful writer. She always comes up with a jewel. Yeah, that, that reminds me of, uh, I had a, uh, years ago I had a neighbor and he needed a ride to work and he was kind of a fledgling uh, guitarist. He was just starting out and he, wanted, he kept asking me about how, how I wrote songs because I write my own songs and I said oh it's easy you know you just you've got to not care about how it's going to come out you know and we're driving to work and he said oh that's not you yeah I said well I could you can write a song about anything you can write a song about shoelaces (laughs) right and he's like oh no you can't I'm like yes I can grab a piece of paper here we go and the words came out some tie knots and some tie bows and some wear loafers that don't close but I just don't have time to tie my shoes Oh, babe, I've got those loose lace blues. <laughs> and you remember that famous one, pen shoes, pink shoelaces. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's, I've, I've always wanted to try that, uh, and I, but I think I'd be a little afraid to do it. Uh, with music, I think I could do it better than I could with uh, storytelling, perhaps. I'm not sure. Well, you know, it takes all kinds. There are all kinds of storytellers out there. You know, like like Lee Pennington said, just as no two leaves are the same shade of green, no two storytellers are exactly alike. And, you know, you've got some people that go off the cuff, some people like myself who rehearses um, to exhaustion. Um, that's how I overcome stage fright. I just make sure I'm well prepared. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it's interesting the way people approach story with a different perspective and really and yeah. method and really that's what what we're doing here what's what it's all about is to to learn more about storytellers and how they do what they do and and who they are as people yeah well thank you linda and we'll be back uh, shortly here with news from linda goodman on here women tell where we interview professional storytellers and we'll be right back This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. This is Dottie Laster, the host of Trafficked, an hour-long discussion about human trafficking in the United States. Join me as we meet guests from around the world and locally who are combating the fastest-growing crime in the world. Join us every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk Radio. Hello, race fans. This is Jeff Gilder, creator of RacersReunion.com. When you're in Myrtle Beach, check out my favorite, the Caravelle Resort. The Caravelle Resort has a golf department and concierge with golf privileges at virtually every course on the Grand Strand, including the coveted Dunes Club. And ladies, pamper yourself with Caravelle's Studio Spa. 
featuring services such as Swedish massage, heated stone therapy, reflexology, manicures, pedicures, facials, and more. Awaken your senses with the most requested massage and spa therapies. The Caravelle Resort, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 800-507-9145. Get the best rate on the Grand Strand when you use promo code RACERS at thecaravelle.com. 800-507-9145. Hi, this is John Banks with the Zeus Radio Network and Hear Women Talk. Come join me on Mondays from 2 to 3 p.m. with Bringing Man Out of the Cave. We're going to try to take an interesting look at the male-female dynamic as I try to give you answers as to why men do what they do. Come join me on Mondays. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell, and I'm here with Linda Goodman, who's going to give us the storytelling news now. So, Linda, what do you have for us? Well, I want to tell everybody to mark their calendars for September 2nd through the 4th. That's Labor Day weekend. And that's when the 21st annual Tempanago Storytelling Festival is going to be held in Orem, Utah. That's O-R-E-M. That's about 50 miles south of Salt Lake City. This year's featured tellers include, among others, Eshu Bumpus and Modico, both from Massachusetts, so we know them well. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Ellis, who is a wonderful storyteller from Texas. Lynn Ford, wonderful storyteller, musician. Bill Lett, uh, he's won several Liars contests and quite a funny guy. Mm-hmm. Antonio Sacre, who is a Latino, very popular on the storytelling circuit. Ed Stivender, a funny man, very intellectual man, very funny. Uh, one of my favorite tellers, Tim Tingle, and another of my favorites, Kim Whitecap, who I think is going to be on your show soon. Right, right. Yep, I'm going to be talking to her. Well, what sure. a lineup. I mean, this is a dream lineup. Um, and if you, if anybody wants details, you can visit the festival website at www.tempfest. That's T-I-M-P-F-E-S-T dot org. Or you can call 801-229-7436. That number again is 801-229-7436. And, and Chris, from what I understand, this is beautiful country up there in Utah and lots of uh, places to visit so you can extend your stay beyond the weekend. Mm. You can visit uh, Bridal Vale Falls, the Sundance Resort, Thanksgiving Point, Utah Olympic Park, and the Timpanagos Cave. So you can actually make a good week out of it. Yeah, it sounds like it. Okay. Uh, well, thank you, Linda. And uh, You're welcome. I'd like to thank all our listeners today. And uh, join us again with Hear Women Tell, where we interview professional storytellers and get the story behind the story. Mm-hmm.